out to put me off for a minute or make me laugh. It's all down again and I can't hit him a lick. I ain't doing my duty by that boy, and that's the Lord's truth, goodness knows. Spare the rod and spile the child, as the good book says. I'm a-laying up sin and suffering for us both, I know. He's full of the old scratch, but lows of me, he's my own dead sister's boy, poor thing, and I ain't got the heart to lash him somehow. Every time I let him off, my conscience does hurt me so, and every time I hit him, my old heart most breaks. Well, oh well, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble, as the scripture says, and I reckon it's so. He'll play hooky this evening, and I'll just be obliged to make him work tomorrow to punish him. It's mighty hard to make him work Saturdays when all the boys is having a holiday. But he hates work more than he hates anything else, and I've got to do something of my duty by him, or I'll be the ruination of that child. Tom did play hooky, and he had a very good time. He got back home barely in season to help Jim, the small colored boy, saw next day's wood and split the kindlings before supper. At least he was there in time to tell his adventures to Jim, while Jim did three-fourths of the work. Tom's younger brother, or rather half-brother, Sid, was already through with his part of the work, picking up chips, for he was a quiet boy, and had no adventurous, troublesome ways. While Tom was eating his supper and stealing sugars, opportunity offered. Aunt Polly asked him questions that were full of guile and very deep, for she wanted to trap him into damaging revealments. Like many other simple-hearted souls, it was her pet vanity to believe she was endowed with a talent for dark and mysterious diplomacy, and she loved to contemplate her most transparent devices as marvels of low cunning. Said she, Tom, it was middling warm in school, weren't it? Yes'm. Powerful warm, weren't it? Yes'm. Didn't you want to go in a swimming, Tom? A bit of a scare shot through Tom, a touch of uncomfortable suspicion. He searched Aunt Polly's face, but it told him nothing. So he said, No, well, not very much. The old lady reached out a hand and felt Tom's shirt and said, But you ain't too warm now, though. And it flattered her to reflect that she had discovered that the shirt was dry without anybody knowing that that was what she had in her mind. But in spite of her, Tom knew where the wind lay now, so he forestalled what might be the next move. Some of us bumped on our heads. Mine's damp yet, see? Aunt Polly was vexed to think that she had overlooked that bit of circumstantial evidence and missed a trick. Then she had a new inspiration. Tom, you didn't have to undo your shirt collar where I sewed it to pump on your head, did you? Unbutton your jacket. The trouble vanished out of Tom's face. He opened his jacket. His shirt collar was securely sewed. Father, well, go along with you. I'd made sure you'd played hooky and been a swimming. But I forgive ye, Tom. I reckon you're a kind of a singed cat, as the saying is. Better than you look. This time. She was half sorry her sagacity had miscarried, and half glad that Tom had stumbled into obedient conduct for once. But Sidney said, Well, now. If I didn't think he sewed his collar with white thread, but it's black. Why, I did sew it with white, Tom! But Tom did not wait for the rest. As he went out the door, he said, Siddy, I'll lick you for that. In a safe place, 
Tom examined two large needles which were thrust into the lapels of his jacket and had thread bound about them. One needle carried white thread and the other black. He said, She'd never noticed if it hadn't been for Sid. Confound it! Sometimes she sews it with white and sometimes she sews it with black. I wish to genius she'd stick to one or the other. I can't keep the run of them. But I bet you I'll lamb Sid for that. I'll learn him. He was not the model boy of the village. He knew the model boy very well, though, and loathed him. Within two minutes, or even less, he had forgotten all his troubles. Not because his troubles were one whit less heavy and bitter to him than a man's are to a man, but because a new and powerful interest bore them down and drove them out of his mind for the time, just as men's misfortunes are forgotten in the excitement of new enterprises. This new interest was a valued novelty in whistling, which he had just acquired from a negro, and he was suffering to practice it undisturbed. It consisted in a peculiar bird-like.